multiple times. I just want you guys to know how welcome you are. Welcome parents. Welcome parents. Uh, whether you're in the room with us or you're watching online uh, tonight or you're watching online seven weeks from now, welcome. Uh, what we're doing right now in our student ministry is we're ending our year with a series on uh, home, family, and parents. And so tonight specifically, our students are over in Block 84 and they are hearing from Ryan uh, all about uh, students and their relationship to their parents and why it matters, why it's so important. And we thought this conversation wouldn't be complete if we didn't at least offer something for the parents in our ministry as well and their relationship with their students. And so what we're doing tonight is we have a wonderful panel of extremely um, wise and how else can I, yeah, experienced um, just funny. They're going to make you laugh. Um, they're like really emotional, so they're going to make you cry. Um, it's going to be a roller coaster of a night uh, with this panel. It's going to be great. Um, but really, the goal is for you guys as parents um, one, um, to just share wisdom and experience with one another because parenting, um, as I fully know, um, as someone who's unmarried, uh, is super hard. And so we just want. Uh, to give you guys the opportunity to uh, share in that and also build community together um, as the parents of students who are involved in our ministry. Um, that's not something that often gets to happen. And so we want to be intentional with that tonight. So I'm going to pass it over to Ashley, and she's going to introduce you guys to our panel tonight. Thanks so much for coming. Hey, everyone. Um, we're excited to have you. So we're going to do some introductions before we jump into some questions that we have prepared. Um, there will be a time to ask questions at the end, um, so we're going to save some space for that. Um, but just to get us started, my name is Ashley Meisner, and I don't have kids, but I am on this panel today because I am a licensed mental health counselor. Um, I have worked about eight years with um, children and teens is really my specialty and working with their families as well. So a lot of individual therapy, a lot of family therapy a lot. Um, so that's kind of what I bring to the table tonight. Um, I specialize, I guess, in working with, you know, kids with trauma, mood disorders, suicidal ideation, all of that. So there's nothing you could say that these ears have not heard before. <laughs> um, so that is kind of why I'm here. And I'm also going to be kind of emceeing our time together. Um, so if y'all want to take a few moments and just introduce yourselves, um, your parenting experience and such, and then we'll get started with questions. I'll start. I'm Kevin Cannon, and this is my wife, Christy Cannon. We've got four kids, uh, all who have been involved in the uh, youth program at Beach Church. Our oldest is a graduate of FSU. She just recently graduated. We have a son who's in just finished his second year of college at the University of Georgia. Go dogs. We have a uh, senior who just is graduating in the next week, and we have a rising uh, daughter who is uh, going to be a rising ninth grader the, this next year, and we're excited to be here. And we've been married for 24 years. Love it how she pointed that out. 
Um, my name is Cynthia Ward, and this is my husband, David Ward, and um, we have been married for 21 years. Um, we are considered the blended family for this panel, and um, I got divorced when my children were one and four. Um, Bryce and Sarah were very small, and I married David in 2000, so he came into their lives in 1999, so they were um, basically five and eight, and then six and nine once we were married. And um, so we have raised them. But now at this point, um, obviously, they are 30 and 27. So we will be giving you some pointers from way back when. Great. Thank you. And Marty. And I'm Marty. I'm the uh, single parent edition. Uh, I've got two daughters. One's 20 and one's 12. And um, I've been a single dad for about six years now. All right. Awesome. We're so excited to have you guys here tonight, and we're excited to learn from you. I think the worst part of parenting is people who feel like they're in it alone. Um, you can parent alone, but it's definitely not ideal, and there's a lot of experience on this stage to learn from. So let's go ahead and get started with question number one. Here we go. So what is your favorite part of parenting teenagers, if there is one? I mean, it's, it's rough, right? Um, so what is your favorite part of parenting teenagers? I might start that. Um, myself coming into the relationship, having no experience at all with her already having two kids, um, I got to miss a lot of the younger age antics that probably went on, changing diapers and things. But as they grew up, I thought one of the best things I always enjoyed was just their participation in all their activities, um, getting them involved in everything and then just being with them as they participate and have fun. Awesome. Me having two daughters and being a complete knucklehead of a guy, um, one of my favorite things is when they come to me and ask for relationship advice. And I say, well, <laughs> if you do this, this, and this, this is how he's going to respond. And then two, three days later, you're kind of wondering, you know, hey, is she going to tell me how that went out, how it played out? And um, be walking up to the room and I'll hear her on the phone, my dad told me to do this and this and this, and oh my God, he did exactly what my dad said he was gonna do. <laughs> That's the best. Yeah, yeah. Um, my favorite part about parenting teens, I guess, was when they say, Mom, you were right, I shouldn't have done that. Or, Mom, you know, that was really good advice. Not that that ever happens. Um, <laughs> That's a beautiful I, moment, though. It is a beautiful yeah. moment when it happens as rarely as it does. But I, I really enjoy seeing them maturing and becoming the people that God has intended them to be. And as they learn things, it's not always perfect. Sometimes it's through mistakes or whatever. But just seeing them mature through the whole, from you know, being little ones all the way as they get older. So that's part of my favorite part of raising a teen. Yes. All right. So... Of course, that lends us to the next question, which is, um, what has been your biggest struggle when you were parenting teens, and what did you learn from it? So your biggest struggle, and then what did you learn from it? Well, to be honest, um, for David and I, we were both um, at opposite ends of the spectrum, so <laughs> that was very hard, um, because if my kids asked for something, they could have it, whatever it was, sure, you know, don't run in the street, don't get killed, but you can have it, um, and <laughs> David was the principal, and so we had two different aspects of 
really um, going about that, I would say. And so it was um, challenging to raise them that way. Um, and one thing I learned from that is that we did have to um, show that we were going to work together. And so that took a lot of effort on our part to present that to them. Because if you don't, they definitely know how to play the sides and choose whichever parent's answer they want and say, well, mom said it was okay or dad said it was okay. Um, so that was um, one of the things that was challenging. But we we learned from it and grew through it. <laughs> I, I would agree. The, uh, the struggle for me with all of my kids is just not being able to let them do everything they want to do or saying no um, and trying to uh, discipline them to a certain level where, uh, or, or maybe not discipline them, but just keep them uh, I guess, kind of in line or keep them from, uh, when, when you have to keep them from doing something that they really, really want to do, and sometimes the reason is just because it's just not going to work out, they can't do it. It's not anything that may be a, a big, huge ordeal, but it's, it's challenging to do that, to say no, and to have them disappointed or upset or frustrated. So I think that's one of the biggest struggles for me is to, um, you know, weigh what is, you know, something that they want to do and whether or not to allow them to do that whenever you think that it's maybe not the best thing for them to do at that time. Yeah, and I think most teens would probably say, oh, my parents like saying no to me. I've had that said so much to me. It's like, they just love to ruin my life. But it's, it's interesting. It's like, oh, I, I actually don't like that part of parenting. And that's... Um, Difficult, for sure. Anyone else? Least yeah, favorite I part? I, I think I'm the only one left. Um, the uh, least favorite part, for me, I, I think it's probably a little independent from these guys. Uh, my least favorite part is when I do say no and I've got a parent that's not under the same roof, uh, you know, where there's the influence of alcoholism at a, at a very large scale. And, you know, trying to, trying to keep peace between the two houses but also getting that, that uh, cooperation with, you know, enforcing what needs to be enforced and um, bringing it together and trying to stay unified whether, whether we're together or not um, for the kids' sake has uh, definitely been a struggle. Yeah. Um, okay, so the next question, and I know it's a pretty general question. Um, how should I discipline my teenage kids? So of course, you know, when they're little, right, it's like, well, here's time out or whatever works for you. But once they're like bigger, taller, their own personalities, um, opinions about things, you know, some of the same techniques don't work anymore. So how is that for you? And what guidance would you give on discipline? Um, I, <laughs> I would say, first of all, it's different in our family for every situation and for every child. We don't have a set book. We open up, oh, you did this and you get that. But it's usually as they get older, they lose privileges. So something they wanted to do or something that they usually get to do would be taken away from them for a period of time. And that seems to be the hot button. When they were younger, it was, okay, give me the phone. Because they're all addicted to the phone. I mean, obviously. Um, so that was an easy one, but now, we, I mean, we've been very blessed. We haven't had to do too much, but typically we'll just take away privileges or things that they want to do, car, phone, you know, things they depend on. Yeah, I got, uh, 
for me, I have to like, I kind of have to temper the, the uh, good cop, bad cop routine that, that I might be able to play out if I had, you know, a partner in, in disciplining. So um, the first and foremost for me, I always have to make sure that I'm in a mental and emotional mindset that I can deal with, with any type of discipline. Um, as, a, as a parent of a teenager, what I've found to be extremely effective is, um, is I, I plan something a project at the house that I've been wanting to do that I've been procrastinating on. I take away their phone, I take away their keys, and I say, we're gonna have a daddy-daughter day. <laughs> and, and honestly, it sounds funny, but you know, it, it absolutely you know, it requires us to spend time together. It, it opens up uh, a latitude for us to have conversation about what's happened. Um, and usually halfway through that work day, there's been a turn of heart, there's been remorse, there's been an apology, um, and most of the time, you know, a smile and a hug, and, and I can cut them loose and let them go back to being kids. Totally agree with that. I find a project, I'm like, okay, children, let's go. <laughs> and I, I like it because it's, it's also building relationship and connection. I think as a parent, if you are just disciplining, like, don't do that, do this, your kid looks at you like a principal or like a a drill sergeant, right? So you have to have that relationship with them, and then that typically goes a long way, especially with teenagers. Did you live in our house? I was, I mean, I was known as the principal. At times. <laughs> but I think that is one of the things as our family evolved, I looked at the discipline as being the principal and known as being the principal that I tackled the small issues probably more consistently than letting them get to a bigger issue. And so I always would, we would try to communicate that and say, well, if we get the little fight first, we won't get into a battle. And so maybe trying to curb that quickly is what I always thought about doing. Definitely. Um, okay, so the next question is for Marty. Um, what are one to two pieces of advice for other single parents? Well, um, you know, for me, like I said before, the whole, the, the, the relationship aspect, uh, I, I've got the kids, I've got my girls, you know, usually four to five days out of the week. Um, and I've still got to work. I've still got to, you know, do everything. So efficiency is definitely a priority. Um, I've got to schedule and I've got to hold boundaries with my work and with, uh, with other social aspects of my life, um, because I want my I want both of my kids to 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 know that they're the most important thing to me. Um, but like I said, also um, when they come to you and they want to talk about something that's serious, you know, if, if if I'm not in the right headspace for it, then I have to I have to stop and say, listen, I hear what you're saying. I want to talk about this, but I need I need 15 minutes to to get myself ready, um, and. Then when they come to you with the stuff that you just don't even know what you're going to say, well, that's when, I, that's when I go in the bathroom and I say, God, whatever happens here, don't let the expression on my face change. Put a trap in front of my mouth and let only your words come out. And that prayer has worked 100% of the time. Great. Thank you. Um, all right. David and Cynthia, next one's for you. So... Um, 
being a blended family, what did you learn that you could share with other parents going through the same thing? Um, I think first the thing we did was was our communication uh, between each other. Um, I think maybe I, I, we probably didn't communicate the best at the beginning and some issues arose from that uh, with the kids as they grew up, but I think the communication and and the main thing we did, and Cynthia was very upfront with this, was keeping them in church and in the youth program here and making sure they're around to keep the people they need to be around uh, to grow their faith and just to be free and, and safe in that situation. Yeah, and I would say probably the honest part about all that is, too, that if you are in a blended um, family as we were, uh, Bryce and Sarah loved David, um, no doubt. But um, as a teenager, uh, Sarah hated David, um, no doubt. And it was uh, very... Um, very stressful for all of four of us uh, in the house. And, um, but, you know, through that, David did everything he could to try to remain strong and continue to discipline her. And, um, you know, he was right in those, using that, he had to, you know, because we couldn't just say, okay, we're going to let her have her way because she's one. And she had done things that needed to be punished. And, um, you know, we did the I guess, punishing as in taking things away from her. But, um, you know, it took a long time, uh, 13, she was probably 13 or 14, and we struggled through probably a full year of that. And um, But through that, I mean, now Sarah and David are very, very close and um, just as close as, you know, with her real biological father. And so it's been quite a blessing. Um, so the next question is actually for me. <laughs> so, um, but I also, so I'm going to kind of give my two cents and then if anyone wants to jump in afterwards, um, it's about what parents should do when their teens are struggling with mental illness or mental health. Um, I have a lot to say on this and I could probably talk about it for way too long, but I think the first thing is probably educating yourself and recognizing your own ways of thinking about mental health. I don't know about you, I mean, I graduated in 07 from Fletcher High School, and society's discussions on mental health now are so much different than they were even when I was in high school, which I like to think was not too long ago. So like, kids, I mean, there are commercials on TV talking about mental health, they're learning about it in school. So in many cases, maybe even your kids are more well-versed in mental health than than you are. So I think learning, um, educating yourself a little bit more. Uh, for example, okay, my kid's really irritable. Well, you might just think, well, they're just kind of a jerk kid, right? But also irritability is a sign of depression. So kind of knowing those things so that you know what to look out for. Um, and then also I think there's a part of us, and I can say this for myself, is we still have, there's still something in us that has a stigma about mental illness and mental health. So I'm a therapist and there have been times in full disclosure where I needed to go to therapy. And you know what my first thought was? I'm not gonna do that, you know? And I am a therapist, this is what I do every day. And so kind of addressing those stigmas and, and for yourself, I think the second thing is to watch your reaction. Um, as a parent, you have spent so many years protecting your child, right? You can meet all of these needs for them. 
you know, if their diaper's dirty, you change it. You know, if they're not doing well at school, you set up a parent-teacher conference. If they're having a fight with their best friend, you call the mom and figure things out. And, but with depression and anxiety, there's so much that you can't fix that quickly. And that's really difficult. And so sometimes I think out of fear, parents end up saying the wrong thing, even though they're trying to be helpful. So like, hey, mom, I think I might be depressed. Well, you just need to think positive, you know, and you just have so many blessings. And I, you were in the pool last night with your friends and you were smiling, so you're not depressed. And so in that moment, your kid's like, whoa, I'm not going to come to you with this anymore. Or, hey, dad, I have, I think I've had an anxiety attack or I'm having anxiety. What do you have to be anxious about? You know, when I was your age, I had two jobs. I went to school, blah, blah, blah. And before you know it, you look around and your kid's not even there anymore. Um, so making sure in your response, you're not slamming a door in their face because you want them to come to you about these things. Um, so even just saying, hmm, you know, thanks for telling me. Um, what, what has it been like for you? Um, can I ask a few questions so we can figure this thing out together? You know, so just asking, being curious, being empathetic is really important. Um, I have many things to say, obviously. <laughs> so I'm just gonna keep going. What else um, do <laughs> I think the, the next thing is to get help sooner rather than later. So oftentimes families wait until it's so bad to get help. Um, because I think there is that stigma. Once again, it's like, well, I don't want to be the person with a kid in therapy. What does that mean about me as a parent? Does that mean I failed them? Does that mean I did something wrong? And that's not true necessarily. So um, getting help quickly because I think of it like a cut, right? So if you fall and you cut yourself and we take care of it immediately, we can take care of it. But if I cut, if I fall and cut myself and then I wait 10 years, well, now I have this infected wound, right? So we not only have to treat the cut, we have to clean out years of infection. And that's the same with, with you know, mental health. Sometimes I have parents who come in and I'm doing family sessions and they're talking about stuff that happened five, six years ago. And that's really hard to like, dig through all of that. Um, so definitely early intervention. Um, I'm gonna say this because I have a mic and you know, <laughs> I guess you can't talk back, but you have to be ready for the, pro the possibility um, that you might be part of the problem. I think that's a big thing. Parents bring their kids to therapy and say, here's my kid, fix my kid, right? Make them undepressed or unanxious or whatever you do. Um, and we need parents to be a part of it. And there might be things that you're doing that you don't even realize, like you're totally unintentionally kind of causing some things in your child's life or exacerbating some of the problems that they're experiencing. So um, you have to be ready to do some work too. And finding a provider who's gonna work with you and your child is super important so that you can all get on the same page. Because if me and your kid are you know, doing work but you're not a part of it, you know, they live with you, they don't live with me. Usually outpatient therapy, that's one hour a week. You have them the rest of the time. So we need to get you to be able to not be their therapist, but to have some of those therapeutic skills. So if we're teaching them how to calm down or calm their body down when they're feeling anxious, I need you to know how to do that too so that when they're in that space, you can say, hey buddy, let's try what we've been working on with Miss Ashley. So um, 
those are all of my thoughts. And like I said, I could probably say more, but I do want to open it up to the panel to see if you've had any experiences. I just recently dealt with that with my oldest daughter. Um, and it was, like you said, I mean, you hit the nail right on the head. Um, I just, my daughters have always looked at me like I got a red cape flying from my neck, you know? And uh, when my oldest came to me and was struggling with depression and anxiety, um, you know, we, we talked about it. I, and one thing I've always taught both my girls is always be smart enough to, to know when you need help, you know? It's, the only dummy is the one that doesn't ask for help. Um, and when she came to me and she sat down, I, you know, I asked her a few questions about why she felt that way and, and um, what she thought was causing it, if anything had recently had happened. And it was just no, 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 no. And I mean, I, I sat there and just felt absolutely helpless. And um, that was just one of those moments where, you know, God just spoke through me and he said, hey, I don't know what to do, but I will get help with you. Yeah. And, and um, that's what we did I, that day. I stopped what I was doing, and we called. Uh, it was Marsh, Marsh Laney Behavioral Group, and um, went over there. And um, she asked, you know, she asked if I was going to come with her. I said absolutely. And it was because of that. It's like if I don't come with you, how am I supposed to know how to handle this? I just told you I, I don't know. Um, so I agree. I mean, it, when that stuff comes around, it, it is so different from when we were kids. I mean, it, when I was a kid, tough it up. You know, sorry about your bad luck. It's just the way it was, you know, and, and this is such a sensitive world we live in today. And it's, um, you know, but that's the world our kids are growing up in. And if we can't, if we can't promote some sort of sensitivity towards them and, and allow them to feel like, again, they're the most important thing. Um, and I, I don't know what I would do. I wouldn't, I wouldn't be able to live with myself. Going through that situation with Peyton and just being able to admit that I didn't know what to do and then partnering with her in, in the search for help, I mean, sh she wrote me a letter about a month ago that just dropped me to my knees. And it's just, you know, just that's, that's like one of the most gratifying things that a parent can ever have is to hear how much that meant, you know, that you just took the time. Yeah, and it's... It's not, hey, it's me versus you, like parent versus child. It's like, no, we're a team. This well, is what family does. We get hey, through things together. So we're going to do this together. And it's not like I'm going to send you there and I'm going to pay for it, but you got to do the work. You know, you get in there and get, you get at it together. Yeah. And I think another thing I was reminded of is that it does take time. You know, it's, it's not the same as like... Um, going to a, a, a medical doctor, right? And they just write you a prescription. I mean, sometimes there are families I've worked with for years. Um, and sometimes, you know, off and on too. So kind of it's, it's, not, it's a marathon, not a sprint. And being ready to like put in that work over time um, is really important and that there aren't those quick fixes as much as I wish, right? That I could just say, here you go. You know, have a good rest of your day. It is, it's very personal and it takes, it just takes time. Um, anyone else? That's all right. Um, okay. So do you have any advice about talking to teens about sex and dealing with sexual activity? Well, <laughs> who wants to take this one on? I will. Um, one of my mentors is your mother. And as you know, she's very earthy. She just basically speaks very plainly about things. And I kind of 
watched as she raised y'all and kind of modeled some of our parenting on that. And we've always been very open and honest and just talked about everything, not kind of kept it hidden, just, hey, you have any questions? Let's talk about sex. And of course, they're always roll their eyes and say, oh, mom, you know, you're embarrassing me. But not just once multiple times. In fact, I still do it with my 21-year-old and my 20-year-old and my 17-year-old and my 14-year-old. So it's just being open to letting them ask any questions and answering honestly. And that dialogue has, I believe, helped. Um, what was the second part? About, you know, take a look. Um, dealing with sexual activity. Um, well, we've been very blessed thus far that that hasn't been an issue to our knowledge. So there you go. I, I have two daughters, so I got to speak up on that one too. Um, and I was, I grew up, you know, as a boy. And Did you? Like, really? like, Is that right? <laughs> like, like I said, as a, as a knucklehead boy that was a Jack Speech lifeguard for 13 years. So um, my advice, this, the, the panel starts with wisdom and circles around to experience. And, and, and how Ryan explains that is that wisdom is when you can learn before you make the mistake and experience is you gotta make the mistake to learn anything. Um, so I'm, I'm the, the, the far end spectrum on the experience side. I didn't learn much without making a mistake. But uh, through those mistakes, I've learned a lot. And you know, I remember when my daughter came to me and she, you know, she was talking and it was, it was just another God moment. I can't take credit for it, but it was beautiful. Um, you know, because a sexual relationship is just, it's supposed to be the most personal, the most beautiful, the most, uh, you know, private thing between a man and a woman. And that wasn't something that I wanted to hear when I was a kid at all. Um, but when my oldest came to me, I haven't had this talk yet with my youngest, but um, when she came to me, it was, I said, listen, I said, it's, it's kind of like if you're with other people, you know, and then you finally meet that one person that you want to be with. Um, there's, first of all, you know, the, you've, got, you've got all the memories of all these other people you were with that you're now comparing to the person that you're trying to spend your life with, you know, which results in insecurities and it results in questions. And, and then you have another person, if you're with another person that has been with a bunch of other people too, then, you know, there went, well, where did she learn that? And, you know, how did you know how to do that? And, you know, this, and it just creates all these questions where if we just did it God's way, you know, and we waited, we got, we just have the pure, unadulterated joy of, of, of finding all that out together. And, you know, and I, I just believe that that's, that's where the, this, the whole center of God's will is, is to, is to actually be able to experience that, you know, and not have anything to compare it to and not have anything, you know, you have a, a good relationship sexually with somebody, but they're completely toxic. Then you finally meet somebody that's actually a good person for you and equally yoked and, and, you know, but then you're, it's, it doesn't match up to what you've experienced before and it just causes all kinds of conflict. I think some of the, the years as our kids were growing up, obviously we don't talk about it now since they're all married and everything else so much, um, unless they want to ask questions. But um, that would be interesting. It <laughs> would be. I think uh, the church has done a great job. Uh, the youth pastors here at Beach have done an awesome job where they do their birds and bees 
sermon every year. That has been wonderful. And just uh, as they've grown up in the youth, the people they've been around, I think they hold each other accountable for what they do and how they act and the respect for themselves. Um, the pastors, you know, tell them that, and we remind them that they're beautifully and wonderfully made to respect themselves and each other. So I think, uh, I think a lot of credit goes to the church also. Definitely. Let sure. the church help you out with some of that, right? And then um, kind of following it up at home as well. Because um, you, need, you need a village, right? You want to know that there's someone else in your child's life who's pouring into them in the way that you would want, right? Because there's so many outside um, sources trying to speak into the heart of your child. So you want to know that you're speaking truth and that um, someone else is as well, like student pastors, life group leaders. I have one more thing. Go for it. Well, when we have these conversations, what we would always talk about is, you know, obviously following God's will, and he has a plan, and it's the right way to go, because when you kind of stray from that, then there's going to be consequences, and those are going to affect your lives, and we always try to kind of lay that out, like, this is your preferred future, this is what you say you want to be, and what you want to do, and if you're straying from that path, you just, those decisions have consequences, and so we've always kind of been real open and honest about that as well, because if you want to get from A to B, you want to go on that path because if you start going, you may not get to be for a long time and it may be a rocky road. And we've always told them that, you know, God's way is the best way for a reason. You know, he obviously knows more than we do. So we kind of rely on that as well. Yeah. And I would just say as well, you know, if you do, if your kid does come to you and, and says like, hey, I had sex. Once again, being aware of your reaction a little bit because you don't want to slam that door what? What are you saying you did this, right? And, and, and so now they're like, well, I'm never talking with my parent about that again. And I know it's hard because you're like, this is my little baby, right? And they're telling me all the things and I don't want to know. But just being like, you know, take a deep breath. Hmm. You know, and then, you know, thanks for telling me. Um, and making sure you check on them emotionally too because we know that there's so much to sex that's emotional as well. And so if they came and told you that, or even if you kind of heard through the grapevine and you want to check in with them, because there can be a lot of pain, a lot of, you know, disappointment, a lot of hurt. Um, so you want to make sure you're a place and a person that they can come to about that. Um, I skipped over a question, but um, what do I do when I, found, when I find out my kids are experimenting with drugs and alcohol? Circle back to that one. I can start on that one. Go for it. When I grew up, I was a boy. And, <laughs> and I, I experimented a lot with drugs and alcohol. And um, so for me, for me, the, the first thing you can do is you got to love them. You know, and you can, again, you can't let that expression change on your face. Um, I almost, I mean, I, I've been very fortunate because both of my girls are polar opposite of me. Um, Peyton, is just, she's just, I mean... She's, I mean, she's not an absolute angel, but she's almost always the designated driver in any situation. She just doesn't really care about it. Um, I'm not saying she never has a drink, but she, I'm saying that it's not something that she cares if she does or doesn't. Um, but that all came, I think, from kind of trying to just, for lack of a better word, decriminalize things in the house and, you know, keep it open. Um, 
you know, I have a drink from time to time, but, but my girls have never seen me drunk, ever. Um, and I think that that's kind of leading by example, you know, if you're gonna, if you're gonna, you know, if you're a father that comes home and you drink a 12-pack of beer every night, it's gonna be kind of hard to keep your kid from drinking. Um, but, uh, but also decriminalizing it and talking to them about things and just, and knowing your kids, you know. Uh, my house was, uh, my parents called it the flop house. I mean, every week, and I had, you know, four or five girls spending the night. Um, you know, they had the upstairs to themselves or whatever. Uh, when they came over, they were spending the night, you know. I made sure that I had all the keys. I, you know, I'm not going to go up there every hour seeing what they're doing, but I'm going to trust them. I'm going to keep my eyes open for what's going on. Um, you know, and if, if we got to sit down and talk about something, we sit down and talk about something. But, uh, but at the same time, it's, your kids are, if, if you're not involved with your kids and you're not open for your kids' lives to be taking place in front of you, that's, I think, when, that's when the enemy creeps in. And, um, you know, just being involved and, and being present. With our kids, fortunately, as far as we know, they've been, uh, uh, they've all pretty much avoided alcohol and drugs um, throughout high school. And I think the thing for us was just being honest with them about our expectations that it's not okay to drink just because everyone else that they know does, which most of them do. Um, so. The, the experience, at least what I believe, is the, the fact that we recognize that it's out there and that a lot of their friends were doing it, um, it, it kind of gave them the leeway to go to parties and know that it was fine that they were there as long as they knew when they needed to leave, if something got out of hand or if there was something that was really... Uh, you know, out of control or not, they knew was not right. And I, I can remember my son going to a party one time and um, he came back, he was, you know, back at 10.30 at night and I was like, well, what happened? I thought you really wanted to go. And he's like, well, there was just a bunch of drinking and smoking and I just, you know, I just left. And, and so, you know, we're not naive enough to know, to, to believe that, you know, None of these kids drink, you know, they're all perfect. Um, but for us, just being upfront with them and letting them know that our expectation is you're not supposed to drink until you're 21. That's your, you know, that's the, what the law is. And it's not okay with us that you're just gonna go drink just because everyone else is. And I think, um, honestly, I think we've just been fortunate, um, but our kids have, stuck to that pretty much, uh, as, as, again, as far as we know. We do have one more, though, so it's coming up. And, and, and one more thing I want to add on that. So um, we've also been very honest. My father was an alcoholic when I was growing up. He's now 21 years sober, praise God. Um, but we've also been very honest about that with them and his experiences and how that impacted me growing up. And so them knowing that. I think they've had that in the back of their head. And so as terrible as it might have been, it was a blessing. I mean, it wasn't, it wasn't great, but it wasn't terrible. But, um, but it was a blessing to be able to be able to talk about that with our kids and say, you know, it's, 
you have to be in control. You can't just drink until you pass out. I mean, like we've had many conversations about those kinds of things. So, and I've made mistakes in front of my kids, and then the next day I've come and said that was really bad, and I apologize. And that is why we have conversations with you about this because we don't want you going down the same path, especially when you're so young and you know so many consequences to those actions. I wanted to go back to what um, what you said earlier too about the you know kind of heading off the, uh, the, the fights and, and staying out of the battles. Um, you know, staying educated, like you said earlier. Um, you know, marijuana, you know, it's, well, it's scientific studies have proven that smoking marijuana before you're 21 can stunt, uh, stunt brain growth. And um, I remember having that conversation with Peyton, and I was like, you know, if you're going to smoke pot, why don't you just wait till you're 21 so that your brain can be developed as much as God wants it to be developed? But it's, it was just winning the battle of the day because you're, you're just putting it, okay, that makes sense. I'm not going to smoke pot today. Might not smoke pot this week. I, that's, that's a win, you know? And, you know, she's about to be 21, so we'll see what happens. Yeah. And I think it's important to note, I know, like experimenting in the teenage years, that's normal, right? Very but it's still normal. something to be aware of um because first you know some there's a huge genetic component to substance abuse and addiction and so knowing if it runs in your family and educating your kids um is important and a a huge link to mental health once again of what better way to numb whatever i'm feeling than to drink or get high and so not just saying like you know don't do that but also what's making you do that? Like, what's going on that you feel like you, is it just normal, like I wanna experiment? Or are you trying to numb something? Are you trying to push something down? And if that's the case too, we need to talk about that. Um, any other thoughts on drugs and alcohol? Okay. Um, let's see. So if y'all wanna take a few minutes and share how faith in church has impacted your family and kids for the better? Uh, there is no doubt. We, we've been very blessed and fortunate that a lot, you know, a lot of people are like, wow, your kids are so great. How, you know, what did y'all do? And I am just absolutely, there's no doubt in my mind that their involvement and activity in the youth group at the church has been just a, a tremendous benefit to them. Um, I would say, just looking back, us consistently always going to church every Sunday morning, waking up and going no matter what the situation was, we always made that a, a real priority. And I think that, you know, over time, they just get comfortable with that and learn that that's what's expected and that's the type of family that we are and the type of people that we want to be as someone who love and honor God. Um, but, you know, I'm sure that I have messed up so much with, with my children. And I'm just thankful that there's so many people that have, you know, poured into them in the youth group. Uh, there's great role models for all of them that they look up to and can see who are just a few years older than them that are living the life that we want them to live. And, you know, in my opinion, the activity and involvement in the church in general, and specifically in the youth group, has been extremely beneficial. 
Yeah, I absolutely agree. Um, for one thing, um, when my children were so small, when uh, I got a divorce, and so I was certain that I had ruined their lives, and so I wanted to do whatever I could do. So, you know, like you dip strawberries and chocolate, I was like going to dip my children in Jesus because I was like, they, <laughs> they are going to be here every time the doors are open and they were little. Um, and so they just grew up in church. They grew up in beach. Um, and, and Bryce by no means was a saint. We just didn't mention him earlier, but, um, both of them stayed very connected here in the church. And when Sarah did get in trouble, um, <clears throat> I like to say that she got the full court press, was what Joby Martin said. Um, her life group leaders, um, Pastor Jerry, Denise, they everybody, they swarmed around her. They surrounded her with love and tough love, lots of tough love. Um, and so, and then David and I both became life group leaders here. And so we were involved with youth and we were involved with teenagers. Um, and that gave us a, I think it gave us both a better perspective too with our own children. And so... I'm not saying keep your children busy. I'm saying just keep your kids in church and keep them surrounded by other Christians. Um, Bryce has some of the best friends that he has had since he was here um, that have kept him on the straight and narrow. And it's, it's definitely been a lifesaver. Yeah, I'm going to um, say that all that. And then on top of it, you know, Again, back to the piece, for, for me, what I see be very effective is, is just leading by example. Um, if you're, if you're going to say that this is what you believe in, then find a place to get behind it. And, um, and then the kids, when they see that, you know, if one, they know they're not getting out of it. They're, they're <laughs> definitely going because dad's going anyways, so he's not going to leave me here alone. Um, you know, but when they see that and they see you get behind it, but get behind it with some fervor. You know, get behind it with some excitement. Whatever it is you're going to, whatever it is you're going to do, you know, do it to the best of your ability and, and let them see you do it and let them see you enjoy doing it. And, uh, and for me, that has, that's just promoted a, a, a spirit of excitement about, you know, the different things that we do here. And, uh, and it definitely, you know, it definitely thickens that relationship too. I, I'm a, I, I have such a solid relationship with my two girls and I just am so thankful for it. Uh, but it's, it, it takes, it takes work. It takes it takes dedication. It takes focus. It takes time. Definitely. Um, so I wanted to open it up for some questions. I know we have uh, people online and in the room. Um, so does anybody have a question? I think Jacob's going to come and help me with this part. But any questions that you'd like to ask the panel? can be any question <laughs> to anyone on this stage. Well, I guess we did a pretty good job then, didn't we? Yeah. No, you guys, you guys did do a great job. <laughs> yes. Yeah. We're going to see if some online friends have questions. Um, I will just say, in the meantime, um, besides Marty saying he grew up as a boy, I think one of the coolest takeaways was... Um, <laughs> Just like the getting to hear the intentionality of parents, because I think often as students, um, one, I grew up as one, and two, I deal with them on a weekly basis. Just like <clears throat> the default is my parents are my enemy and they're against me, whether or not they have a great relationship with them, because that is their authority in their household and like ultimately who they have to um, respond to. And so just to be able to hear that. You know, 
I mean, obviously, we picked you guys because you're great examples. But, like, even in that, like, <clears throat> there's intentionality behind the parenting, and it's with the best interest in mind. And um, I know right now our students are hearing, like, from the opposite end, student-to-parent relationship. And so just um, some encouragement for you guys, um, like, as you go back and take this into your homes and um, continue to just be parents, um, my encouragement just being, like, keep being intentional and keep showing them and being honest with them, like, what that looks like, because um, ultimately that's going to be uh, the biggest driver in the in the relationship between you guys is just them knowing that you have their back and that you are for them and not actively against them. Um, I don't think we have any questions. Yeah, we have a question. It's probably for you, Ashley, so just yeah. be ready. Marty, what was it like growing up as a boy? No, I'm just kidding. That's not my question. <laughs> oh, man. Now, I wanted to ask y'all, um, obviously a big part of life um, outside of once they leave home is about making good decisions. So what would be some of your advice about uh, what you have taught your kids or how you've taught your kids about making wise decisions? I'd say one thing we always ask is, is that a good choice, first of all, and have them think about it. Oh, and now I just got writer's block or whatever it is. Oh, just left my head. Oh, another thing we always ask, before they would go out or go anywhere, we would always say, who do you represent? And their response was always, Jesus. And we're like, and who else do you represent? And they would say, the canons. And the reason for that was because we didn't ever want them to be a stumbling block for someone to have a relationship with Jesus one day, or also we're Christians, the canons are Christians, and we also don't want to give a bad name to Christians. We want to uphold what we believe, and so we would always kind of use that to guide them to make wise choices and tell them why, not just say do it because we say so, but because that's, you know, that's why we follow God and why we believe in the Bible and all the things that it says in there, and so that was kind of a, like a, tagline that we would give just to make them think before they would go off to do anything. Well, thankfully for us, um, like you mentioned, our kids are full grown and out of the house now, but um, for making good choices, it really has been um, that they still remain surrounded by their Christian friends, which is great. You know, the iron sharpened iron part of it, um, they do look to them for, you know, when they are struggling with things and to make good choices. And so I think they've made good choices with the people that they hang out with, which is um, super important too. That would, that would probably be, for me, it's, I'm, remember, I'm the experience side, so I'm a little better with dealing the problem after you make the mistake. But, the, uh, but you know, being, being a single dad, um, be, just being involved is what is, is my greatest line of defense. Um, having every, all the kids over, knowing who my kids are hanging out with, um, making sure that, you know, my place is the place that everybody wants to come hang out. Um, because I don't want my daughter gone even more than she already is, and I definitely want to know who she's hanging out with. And by by doing that, it allows me to open up dialogue. Hey, you know, one girl's a little, uh, uh, uh. Um, I'd, I'd watch out for her, or, you know, hey, I really like this girl. She's really well-mannered, you know. Um, she seems like she'd be a really good friend. And, you know, and you can 
at least attempt to navigate a little bit, um, be involved. We like to do that too. We want to be the house where everyone comes and you get to know all the kids and right. for the same exact reasons. So. We have a question from online. Um, it says, I don't, this might be for me, question mark. Uh, what is the biggest complaint uh, you hear from students about their parents? Um, maybe Ashley can speak to this a little bit just because you deal with a lot of students. Um, I think one of the biggest things is, of course, like my parents don't get me. Um, and they don't want to. They don't try to understand me. I think um, it's really hard now that I'm like getting old. It's really hard to stay connected to what it was like to be a teenager. And that sounds like a really old person thing to say. But it is. I mean, I'm, you know, getting older and it's just you, you, you're disconnected from the mind of a teenager. Um, and so I think a lot of times kids just feel misunderstood and they don't feel listened to, you know? Um, they want to know that their parents are on their side and that they're listening. I think kids feel that their parents talk a lot um, in attempts to give advice and sometimes you just need someone to listen. And, you know, as an adult you face the world and you got bills and work and then your kid's coming to you about a test and it's really hard sometimes to be like, and you, you end up responding, like, that's not that big of a deal, just study, right? And so, like, putting yourself in their position and really listening and taking that time and not just jumping into a lecture because there's a study that after 12 words, they stop listening to you anyway, so. <laughs> Choose those 12 words wisely. <laughs> that's right. Choose them wisely. Um, so, yeah, those are my thoughts. Anyone else? You know, with, with each situation, too, one thing that I've noticed that, that works very effectively with communication with, with my girls is um, to try to relate to it personally instead of giving advice. You know, just uh, whatever they're, they're trying to figure out, you know, say, well, I remember when I was your age and I went through this and uh, this is what I did. And it probably wasn't the right thing because this is what happened. So if you can just not do what your dad did, then you probably do a lot better. But um, and, you know, and it, and it but it. Again, it opens up dialogue. It lets her know that she's being listened to. Um, it lets her be a part of the conversation. And, um, and it's not just a directive. It's more of a, hey, I've been through that too. This is what I learned from it. Once you springboard off of this and go make a good decision for us. Anyone else with questions? Yes. So this is an opinion question. So I have two teenagers, and I'm a very hands-on mom, and they, when things get really crazy sometimes, which is not often, I get involved to help them navigate situations, and they've asked me to please stay out of it. It's gotta be pretty extreme for me to get involved, but I've even had a couple of parents say, look, you gotta let the kids work it out, but when the fire gets super hot, I just can't do it. So what? What do you guys think? Do we really leave them, their young minds, to handle super tough situations on their own? Even when other parents are like, you need to let them learn from this. You know, it's a philosophy, right? So I'm just curious what you guys think. I, I think that it goes back to the, to the fights and battles. Um, 
you know, if, if you're with them along the way, they're going to be coached up, they're going to be taught up. These big decisions are still going to come, but they're not, they're going to be educated. It's like, you know, you don't, you don't start trigonometry as your first developmental math. Um, you, you work your way up to it. And the, the problems are going to get bigger the older the kids get. Um, and that's why God gives us the time he does to prepare them for it. Um, I think the kids do have to make mistakes. That's part of the learning process. I mean, like we just said, you've got the people that, that learn, from, learn from reading and learn from teaching and learn from instruction, and then you've got people that have to, you know, bounce off their head. And, um, you know, I came out all right, so. <laughs> well, you grew up as a boy, so. True. Um, By the I, way, I, I am still a boy. That's excellent. I'm so glad. Um, I would say, and this goes back to one of your earlier questions, the hardest part about raising kids is developing trust from young age all the way up to adults, and then trusting that with God's help that we did the job that we were supposed to do, and trusting them to implement what we've taught them and what they've learned through church and with their life group leaders and their good friends surrounding them. And that's hard. I don't like to see my kids fail, obviously, but I also know that eventually they're going to be an adult and I want them to develop the skills to be able to handle that on their own. Um, I know if it gets really bad, obviously I'm going to sit down and talk with them and obviously with Kevin and, um, you know, come around and say, you know, what can we do? But I'm not one that likes to get involved unless it's like the last minute. Um, but we would, we would pray about it. We would talk about it, that kind of thing. But I, I agree. I mean, you do have, you have to make mistakes to learn, unfortunately. I mean, you don't want to see them harm themselves or anything to that extreme. But, um, but I, that's just my take. You have, you have a take? I, I also think just being consistent. If you're consistent there and being constant with your children, letting them know that you're going to be there no matter what they do, I think the trust will build greatly between you. I mean, like everybody here said, give them the opportunity to fail. That's how they learn. That's how I learned in becoming an parent. Um, I did fail many times. So um, it's just being consistently there with them and letting them know I'm there for you. I remember Cynthia, as the kids grew up, she prayed with them every night when she put them to bed, you know, and so they constantly got that kind of feedback of we'll be there when they need us, you know. Yeah, and I think it's, it's that balance of, you know, let's say my kid is using all sorts of drugs, you know, getting wasted every week, and like, as a parent, you, you do need to protect them, you need to step in, and you need to say, you know, here's what we're going to do, we're going to get help, and and they're like, well, I don't want to. And you're like, well, sorry. <laughs> like, this is what, it's my job to protect you. So there's those situations um, where you would need to step in. But then, like everyone said, natural consequences. I, I don't know how many parents are like, well, my, my kid's failing, so I'm going to do all their work for them. A lot of parents will end up doing that. And I tell them, I'm like, so let them fail. Like, if that's, that's the only way they're going to learn. And that's not a very welcomed <laughs> piece of advice, but... You, you will learn from that, you know, when you're in, you know, fifth grade again and everyone else moved on to sixth grade. So allowing those natural consequences, because once they are an adult, um, they're going to be in that place where if you've protected them and you've worked through their problems, they won't know how to. Um, so giving those teaching opportunities as well. Great question, though. Thank you. Any others? 
don't know if you count, Peyton. I'm going to be fully honest with you. I'm really glad you're here, but I don't know if you count. All right. <laughs> the panel agreed, I guess. I'd just like to clap for all you parents out there. Cause it's pretty hard. <laughs> but my father up there, Martin Manley, the one that's a boy still, um, I would just, as a 20-year-old girl who was most recently a teenager in this room, probably, and my little sister, um, a huge thing that really helped me with my dad was that I think he, anything I came to him with, I never felt judged from him, even if it were something extremely uncomfortable that I probably should have gone to my mom about. I felt like I could come to my dad because he would, he would open his arms to me and I wouldn't feel like I was judged. And he, he would open everything with a prayer first. And I think that really helped. He would give me a hug and he would say a prayer about what we were going to talk about. And when I was, when I was younger, I, I didn't really understand that. I was like, okay, can you just tell me what to do? But the older I got, I appreciated it more and more, and I felt even more welcomed by it, and I felt even more um, not judged. Um, but there were definitely times where I'd come to him, and I don't know how he handled it, because I felt like I could come to him, because I felt like if I went to my mom about it, love my mom, she's great, but you could see constant or like immediate judgment on her face, or she would react a lot quicker than my dad would. Um, my dad was a little bit better about hiding it until I left the room, I think. Um, but it's just being able to be there for your teenagers because if they're coming to you about something extremely uncomfortable, like sex or something like that, it took a lot for them to be able to come to you about it. So just being open with them and being able to talk to them about it and not just immediately yelling at them um, because, trust me, it's not something that your kid wants to talk to you about either. <laughs> So um, I think I just wanted to put that out there because it really has helped me learn a lot, feeling like I can come to my dad about things like that and feeling like he's willing to talk to me about it without um, me just getting in trouble for something and just learning from him and what he has to say. So that's all I have to say, but good job, guys. Y'all are doing great. Yes, right. I know you're getting a surprise sixth. Seventh? Sixth panel. I paid her to come in here and say that. <laughs> nice. Um, so we're going to go ahead and wrap up. And how I wanted to wrap up was to pray for y'all. Because um, it's really hard to be a parent. I'm not one, but I've watched a lot of parents. Um, and it's really hard. So I wanted to just take a moment and, and pray over you guys before we leave here tonight. Um, Heavenly Father God, we come to you um, for help, for guidance. God, we need all the help we can get um, raising children. I thank you for the parents who, who showed up, who logged in, who are listening tonight, who want to learn, who want to seek out your way for parenting. And I praise you um, for every family that's represented in this room and online, um, that they would give of their time to seek your face, to seek your opinion, to learn from other people. God, I pray just protection over the families represented. Um, families are hard. Relationships are complex. There are some dynamics in families that are really difficult. And um, God, I just, I pray for wisdom um, 
I pray for guidance. I pray for um, the ability to um, grow connections with their child, even when it feels like, you know, nothing's really happening, God. I feel like I'm just hitting a brick wall at every turn, that they would just keep pouring into the into their child. And no matter how many times they're stiff-armed, um, that they would just keep drawing close, keep building those relationships. Um, God, I thank you just for your love, that you are a perfect father and that we have a perfect father to learn from, that we um, can see your love, your kindness. God, the love that would send your son to the earth to die for us, that was willing to go the distance. And so we lean on your example. We look to your example as our loving heavenly father. And um, we trust you. We love you, and we honor you with our families and with our kids. Amen. Amen. Uh, we are going to, I'm going to have you guys, if you want to head to the lobby. Um, we are going to close uh, with a couple of action steps. Um, and this first one, I don't think I had planned until after, like, being in here and hearing everything. Um, but if you guys... Uh, don't already know, we have a parent email f specifically for student ministries. Um, and every week we take whatever the sermon is and we give you guys kind of a rundown and why it's important for parents and their relationship to the students. And so if you're not already connected with that, I would love to help you get connected with that. I'll be out with them in the lobby as soon as we're done. Uh, but the other thing is, um, as parents, um, your involvement is huge. Um, with your students, whether it's just at home or with school, uh, with sports, and especially with faith. And so if um, you are wanting your student to be involved and you want them to be growing in their faith, um, it starts with you. And setting that example, I always share um, that my parents never told me church was important, but I knew church was important because we were there every Sunday. And they never had to tell me to go to church, but I ended up wanting to go to church every single week because it's what my parents showed me that they were doing, and, and they were involved in their faith, and so I wanted to be involved in mine. And so um, we're going to have a couple ways for you guys to do that. Um, we have uh, ways for you to sign up for life groups if you're not already in one. Um, and then serving uh, with Kids Camp is another one, um, or signing up to serve uh, to be a part of our adult serve team at United. Um, I really do want to emphasize Kids Camp, though. Um, it's one of the best weeks of my life personally, um, as someone who is not a kid. And so for the kids who are going to experience it this year, um, it doesn't happen without um, volunteers like you guys and our parents, uh, who better uh, to set that example for kids um, as they get to experience God uh, that week. So signing up for Kids Camp, I can help you with that as well. But then the other thing is we have uh, refreshments and um, the panel for you out in the lobby. So um, if there's a question that Maybe you didn't want to ask out loud or you just want to connect with some of the people who are on the panel, maybe do some follow-up um, and connect with other parents in the room. Uh, this is that time. And so uh, we'd love to encourage you guys to hang out uh, in the lobby and enjoy some, I think we have cookies maybe. I don't actually know what we have, uh, but refreshments to say the least. And uh, again, thank you guys so much for coming uh, or tuning in online. Um, this is the first time we've ever done it and I really, really enjoyed it. And I'm so excited to see um, how this impacts not only our students, uh, but families in the future as we uh, continue in student ministry. So thanks so much for being here. You guys have an excellent night.